Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Was it was it a good Christmas? Good Christmas, yeah, yeah. And we had a great Christmas in my house. The grandparents were in town, and, and becoming a grandparent changes people for sure. But Christmas makes grandparents unrecognizable. Like I, I don't even know who these people are anymore. Noble and Foster got way more for Christmas than I ever got from those two same people. And, and at one point, Noble was acting up, and I went to get Noble, and my dad interceded. He didn't mean it, Eric. I'm like, who is this man? You know, this was the guy who used to go get the paddle, you know, dad. Bend over, Eric. Here we go. Man, I don't even know those people anymore. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, we are, in, this is a, just a unique sermon. We just ended the Uncommon series, and beginning next week with the new year, we're going to start a series in John. It's, it's going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to that. Chris has got an awesome message for next week, so you'll want to be there for that. This next year, we're actually spending time in the Gospel of John and Revelation, written by John, and in the letters of John, as well as some other stuff. So if you want to start reading, this would be a good time to do that. Today, we will be in Revelation, Revelation 21. And if you've got a Bible or a device, I want you to open it and go there. We're in the first five verses of Revelation 21. And so we'll be double dipping a little bit later in the year when we go back to Revelation. But this, this verse is perfect for the new year, so I want to look at it. Revelation 21, 1 to 5 is where we'll be, particularly verse 5. You know 1 to 4 pretty well. The poet T.S. Eliot <clears throat> wrote, What we call the beginning is often the end. And to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. At the end of Revelation, the end of the New Testament, the end of the whole Bible, God says in Revelation 21, verse 5, See, I'm making all things new. You see it there? See, I'm making all things new. He speaks in the verses before that of a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more sadness. You know those verses. And then he says, at the very end of the story, let's begin again. See, I'm making all things new, he said. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Revelation 21, 5. <clears throat> the mighty Colorado River, which its powerful force carved the Grand Canyon, like you're going to see behind me, years ago and for millennia flowed all the way to the ocean, okay, snaking its way through the Sonoran Desert in the northwest corner of Mexico before emptying into the Sea of Cortez. But the last time that the Colorado River flowed all the way to the sea was in 1998. As one author put it, there's just too many straws in the drink now. Okay, <clears throat> Where there was once a river, there's now just clay baking in the sun in the Sonoran Desert in Mexico. But in 2014, the two nations, the Colorado flowed through Mexico and the U.S., brokered this deal and released millions of gallons of water down the old path of the Colorado. Let's start that video behind me. Scientists called it a pulse flow, okay? a wave of new water running the old path of the Colorado through the dry desert and all the way to the sea watering withered cottonwoods that hadn't seen water in nearly 20 years, eggs hatching in sand that had laid dormant for all that time, the water finally reaching the sea again, if even only for a short time. When a desert sees new water, it becomes a different place. 
I love this scene of children that are just overcome with joy as the Colorado touches their toes for the first time in their memory, right? The first time they've ever seen water in this place. And there it is, and they get to play in it. Ranchers and horses alike are dancing because of the water. This desert has become an oasis, like you see behind me. I want that scene to just play on repeat in your mind during the sermon, okay? If you don't want to listen to me and just think about that, that's okay, all right? I want you to just think about that scene as a reminder of what newness can feel like. Of what newness can feel like. Because the Lord says he's making all things new. Just a little over 500 years before Jesus arrived in that manger in Bethlehem like we celebrated last week, things were really bleak for his people, Israel. In fact, they were downright awful. Okay, Assyria had come in and destroyed northern Israel, sent them into exile. Babylon comes in and finishes the job, destroying Judah, sending them into exile. And everybody's off in this now Babylonian wasteland, a desert both metaphorical and real. Okay. They're off in this desert just thinking about those homes they left behind, <clears throat> those empty tables where there won't be anybody gathered around for holiday meals this year, everything that they've left. They're off in this desert just remembering all those things. And then the Lord sends them this message through Isaiah the prophet. He says this, Don't remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Recognize that? Now it springs forth, do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people who I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise, Isaiah 43. He's doing a new thing, he says, like new water in an old desert, deliverance in this case, rescue from exile, raised to walk in newness of life, to make an end is to make a beginning. And one season indeed has come to an end, the season of exile. And finally, as these new waters roll down into the desert of Babylon, this new season begins. Thanks be to God, we think. I love how the NIV puts it, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. I'm about to do a new thing. But do you think they believed him? They were, after all, still in the desert. This is before the waters have run into town. Do you think they believed God and all this talk of newness? I've been thinking about that. We had a um, tragedy at the Gentry home a few weeks ago. Kroger was decorated for Christmas the night before the tragedy. We were in Kroger pushing Noble in one of those shopping carts, and he managed with the tip of his little finger to grab the string on one of those decorative balloons, Christmas balloons, lying in the halls. And he pulls that string to him and pulls it down and grabs the balloon. And you would have thought he found the gold at the end of a rainbow. I mean, he is just overcome with joy. His eyes are full of wonder. Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa. He gets down from the cart and he runs the aisles like a a Roman soldier parading his spoils of war. Look at this guy. I mean, he is just overcome. Everybody he passed, balloon, balloon, balloon. I mean, just absolutely thrilled. He's so happy that the next morning, because we had to buy the balloon, it was like 73 cents. The next morning he determines that he's going to take that balloon with him into the backyard which was a faulty determination. 
right? Because it wasn't long before the wind picked up and, and carried that balloon to infinity and beyond. And, and you would have thought the rapture had happened and he was the only one left behind. <laughs> I mean, absolute, uncontrollable, utter devastation. Tears and snot caked on his face, pooling in his jacket. I mean, it was a biblical despair, biblical. So what did I do? I went right back to Kroger. <laughs> okay, in my defense, I tried first to use it as a teachable moment. Now, Noble, this is why you listen to your parents. That utterly failed. And so I went back to Kroger and bought not one balloon, but two to do a new thing for him. See, son, I'm making all things new. <laughs> Only it didn't work. It didn't work. He was happy about the balloons, but he was absolutely consumed by this dread and fear that at any moment the balloons might fly away. He kept saying, mama, balloons fly away. Hold it, hold it, hold it. And so everything we did for the next three days, we had to be holding the balloon. You know, eating dinner, rocking the baby, holding the balloon. We had to tie the balloons to his crib at night, okay, so he could be watch them all night long. Absolutely convinced they would fly away, even inside the house. The past, it did something to him. It did something to him. You know, maybe some of us are not ready to hear, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past, see, I'm doing a new thing. Sometimes the past makes a new future seem impossible. Like standing in this dry desert where water hasn't run for years. Sometimes that kind of newness just doesn't seem like it can happen. Do we believe what the Lord's saying here at the end of the Bible? See, I'm making all things, all things new. Do we believe it? I've been thinking about that. I think that some of us are coming to this new year this week as Genesis people. Now, you remember Genesis. It's the first time God does a new thing, creates a new world, creates the cosmos, and creates them out of nothing. Like That's what you learn growing up. God made something out of nothing. It's why you can't create because creation means out of nothing. Ex nihilo, as the Latin scholars would say. He did it out of Nothing. And so the world, the, not the world, the universe is empty, which means it's full of possibility. Anything's possible. God does this new thing for the first time in the beginning of the Bible when it says in the beginning. Okay. I think some of us are heading towards the new year as Genesis people, meaning we're just empty to be filled up, like that song says. We've had a great year, had a great holiday, our jobs intact. Our family's healthy. They were probably here for Christmas. We as a church, we had a great year. We had new babies born this year, and aside from lack of sleep, that's awesome. Yeah. We saw new believers give their lives to Christ, like Ben, like you saw in that video just last week. We saw new believers throughout the year who gave their life to Jesus, and that's just full now of possibility in their lives. Right? We started this, we opened, sorry, the new expansion, which you helped to fund. We opened that this year. Those empty halls are now full of life and ministry throughout the week. And on Sundays, it's an incredible thing. We went to China this year. We saw this infinite possibility for the Word of God in the, nation, in the world's most populated nation. And I, and I did some math the other day. 
when it comes to missions, our fiscal year, our church runs on a financial year, goes from July 1 to June 30, okay? But the calendar year, which is what most of you probably run on, January to December, okay? And the calendar year to missions and ministry and outreach around the world and in Memphis, you gave half a million dollars in one year. Literally, it's almost to the dime, the 300-something last time, just under 200 this, this previous time, okay? What does that add up to? Yeah, half a million dollars in one year. You gave to missions and ministry around the world. Infinite possibility with that money, it seems like. So we saw God do these new things this year. And some of us are coming to 2016 saying, God, we saw you do it before. Do it again. Do a new thing. I want to see it. But some, some here, like that song says, do not come to this year empty to be filled. They come broken to be mended, right, or, or wounded to be healed. Take your pick. It was a hard year for them. And I think if those other people are Genesis people, these are Isaiah people, exile people. Like the Israelites in that Babylonian wasteland, some of us just had a hard year. We don't come to the new year with emptiness. We come with scar tissue that's built up. Unlike that Genesis story where God creates everything out of nothing, if God's going to do a new thing with us, he's going to have a lot of pain and sorrow to work through, work with. It's going to be clogging up his machinery. It's going to be choking his dams. And we're just not sure that God can do it. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Easy for you to say, we think. I think really if we're honest... More of us are Isaiah people than Genesis ones. This church, along with the families in it, as much joy and as much um, possibility as we've seen in this, this year that we just went through, we've also had some hard times. And I think about those of you I saw in the hospital this year, some of you multiple times in the hospital in one year. You know, I think about those who are in the middle of the divorce, that couple here, trying to work with them, but it's not looking good. I think about that couple that had a miscarriage, another miscarriage after years of trying, another miscarriage. I think about that family here whose son's in trouble, that family here whose daughter's in this deep depression. I think about those here who this year buried their parents after long battles with illness and terrible illnesses like Alzheimer's and dementia. I think about those who buried their child. I think about at our elders' meetings when I look at that empty chair where Dennis Calvert used to sit, I think, how does a church go on without a man of faith like that? And on Christmas Eve just a few days ago when I was at Jim Wade's memorial service with Ron and Nell and Christy, I thought, will Christmas Eve ever be the same for them again. Can you make this new God? I'm not sure. But it's at that moment of our greatest doubt that we remember like those children dancing in the Colorado River for the first time. We remember what newness can feel like. 
And we remember those times, however improbable, however impossible they were to imagine, we remember how God's newness felt when it showed up. We remember those times we have experienced God's newness despite the odds. And so despite our doubt, we return to the one who claims that he is making all things new. And we say, show us. We want to see it. And seeing is key. Sight is key. Because look, look, look at your Bible at Revelation 21.5. It doesn't say at the end of the Bible, <clears throat> believe it. I'm making all things new. Or, or trust me, guys, I'm making everything new. No, it says, see, behold, look, I'm making all things new. So this is the good news. Lean in here. Okay, if you don't hear anything else, lean in here. It would be fine, impressive, to see that God did a new thing in Genesis when he created the world that we are inhabiting. That's impressive. God, you did it out of nothing. Well done. And it would be impressive even to see how God did a new thing for Israel, leading them out of exile in Babylon, which he did. Impressive, God, you did a new thing in the middle of the story. But what's really good news is that at the end of the story, God is still doing a new thing. When all the pain and the sorrow and the scar tissue of the world has built up, piled up on high, God can and is still doing a new thing. So pay attention here. Pay attention. God is making things new at the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story. Which is to say, God is always making things new. It's who he is. In, in fact, Revelation 21 says that. Look back at Revelation 21. In the four verses before verse 5, everything's in the future tense. The whole chapter until that line. He says, I will dwell, I will dwell with his people. Sorry, he will dwell with his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. But then verse 5 flips. See, I am making, present tense, all things new. Right now, not just then, right now. So God is the God who made, makes, and will make all things new. It's who he is. It's the whole story. Do you see it? Do you see it? We had a friend back in Texas in Cottonwood, another Cottonwood story, who lost her husband suddenly. And I, I've shared a little bit of her story before with you. She and her husband had just bought some land out near Cottonwood. They were going to retire out there, run a few head of cattle. And so they bought this ranch, and they moved out. They were in their 50s, moved out there, and they built this little maybe 8 by 10 one-room little house, okay? And they built it really quick. They just threw up 2 by 4 frames, insulation. They never even put up sheetrock, just some siding on the outside, a really simple metal roof. They were just going to live in it for a while and then turn it into a shed, once they built the cabin of their dreams. And it wasn't going to be an immaculate cabin, just a place for the grandkids to come and stay. And the most important thing to them was a big porch where they could sit and watch the cows come home. Like that's what they imagined retirement would be. But then one day, unexpected, three or four months after they moved there, totally left their other life, moved to this place. He has a heart attack and dies just like that, unexpected. And she is in this deep, intense fog for years, for years. 
And so she stays in that little one-room, eight-by-ten house with the toilet and the kitchen side-by-side. She can't even bring herself to put up sheetrock in that little house. Nevertheless, build this cabin that they've always been dreaming about. One day I went out there and she told me, maybe someday, Eric, maybe someday. So in the meantime, her daughter, who's an adult, starts going through a divorce. Her marriage starts falling apart, and she lives in this other state. And so my friend is just overcome with sorrow, and the fog just darkens around her. And even though that is not her burden, her daughter's marriage, she's a mom, right? So she, she takes the burden on her, and she's absolutely overcome by it, lives in this fog. One day I was out there visiting her, and I was sitting on the one chair in her house, and she was sitting on the edge of the bed, and we were looking out the one window of that little 8 by 10 house. And there, just out the window, were cinder blocks that were marking the perimeter of what they had dreamed the cabin would be. There were cinder blocks that her husband had taken and put out one night when they were laughing and dreaming about the future. And he said, this will be the master right here. And, and over here, this will be where the grandkids stay. And this will be the entryway. And honey, this, this will be the porch. And we're sitting there looking out that window, and she says, maybe someday, Eric, maybe someday. So we've, we've since moved away, haven't thought about her in a while. But the other day, I get this notification online. It's her name, and I click on it. And the first thing I see is this big, broad, deep front porch with these cedar beams I see this house being framed behind it. I can tell there's many rooms in the house, grandkids running around in the distance. And there on the tractor, lifting one of those plywood walls into place is my friend. And she's got this big smile on her face. See, I'm making all things new. And I did see. And I think she did too. The Apostle Paul reminds us, don't lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day, which is the Christian hope. Not only that God is doing a new thing out there in the world, but that he's not going to stop doing a new thing on us. Okay? That word renewed should give you pause because it's the same word, a version of the same word that shows up in Revelation. See, I'm making all things new. I'm renewing everything, even you, day by day. So as we approach this new year, may we pray, whether we approach this year dry and barren or empty or broken, or whether we approach this year running with cool water, May we pray not that God does a new thing in this new year for us, but that we have eyes to see it when he does. See, the Lord says, I am making all things new. Thanks be to God. If you have not experienced the newness of God in your life because you haven't given your life to him in baptism, today would be a great day to do it. I'd love to meet you down here. I'll be down here in the front for a few minutes. Afterwards, I'll be in the back if you'd like to talk. We've got elders who will also be in the back. who would love to pray with you if you have something on your heart. Will you stand and sing with me? Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. And your love never fails.